1: NatWest supports The Telegraph's Women Mean Business campaign. We're identifying the barriers female entrepreneurs face and then breaking them down together. And NatWest has committed £2 billion in lending to businesses led by women. Just search for NatWest Women in Business to find out more.
2: Welcome to Imposters, a podcast from The Telegraph. Have you ever had that creeping feeling that you don't belong somewhere or that you don't deserve your success, even though you know deep down that's not true? Yeah, me too. I'm Claire Cohen, the Telegraph's Women's Editor and co-founder of our Women Mean Business Initiative. In this podcast, we square up to imposter syndrome and demand to know what its deal is. In each episode, I talk to a woman who is out there carving a successful career in a challenging industry, whether that's food or film, fashion, or even flying to the moon. I want to know if they've ever experienced imposter syndrome. If so, what convinced them to keep going anyway? If not, what's their secret? So without further ado, let's meet this week's imposter. My guest today is a woman whose name is synonymous with small business. She got her first job aged 17, made dot-com history at 28 when she co-founded Not On The High Street, was awarded an MBE in 2013, and two years later was made a UK ambassador to creative small businesses by the Prime Minister, no less. Not only that, she's written two best best-selling business books, has her own podcast, and now runs a platform offering advice and support to other entrepreneurs, something many found a lifeline during the pandemic. Not bad for a woman who got an E in her business studies A-level. Welcome to Imposter's Holly Tucker. Well, thank you. What a lovely introduction that was. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much for being here. And we're doing this in person. What a yes, thrill.
3: such a treat. I feel, yes, it's amazing. It feels like the old days where you actually
2: meet people and interact. It's fantastic. Well, we're thrilled to have you here in the Telegraph studio. So let's get right in there and talk about imposter syndrome. Because when I was preparing for this podcast, you gave me the fright of my life when I saw that you would posted on Instagram that you feel like you've outgrown the label and I well I thought we were doomed basically but actually what you said was really thoughtful and I'm going to quote a couple of lines from your post because you wrote imposter syndrome makes it sound like a medical problem something you don't have control over and then you went on to say I'm not saying that the symptoms of imposter syndrome aren't real so I'd like to unpick that Mm. a little bit what are to start with the symptoms of imposter syndrome as you experience them?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to say that I still have those symptoms, but they were more prevalent when I started, certainly when I started my first job at the age of 18 years old, of course, um, starting in advertising as an 18 year old, you have imposter syndrome because you you do not know what you're doing and you are faking it till you make it, which is a popular phrase now. But certainly when I built Not in the High Street, that was where it really was very present with me every single day because we were entering a world where we were in the tech world, we were women raising money we were in the retail world. We were championing people when that didn't really happen. We were creating community. And so, the sort of symptoms that I would feel would, well, mostly, and I think those listening would relate to, is being found out that this is absolutely a facade that I am putting on. And one day you are going to know the truth, which is that I don't really know what I'm doing. And That could come out in uh, being too harsh on myself, being very, very nervous for public meetings or board meetings, actually having sleepless nights when I really could have done with the sleep, thinking I needed to look a certain way, because maybe if I, you know, walked the walk, they wouldn't listen to me not really talking the talk, potentially. So many things. It was almost like it was entwined in my DNA. And then you just learn to live with it. And actually, that is why I wrote that post, because I think that, you know, we label each other quite quickly. And how many labels do women actually carry around now? And can we, if we give ourselves the label, when does someone take the label away from us? Or is it there for life? And so I'm just interested in exploring that.
2: I'm nodding away at everything Holly is saying here because those symptoms sounded so familiar to me, both at the beginning of my career and, if we're being honest, still now. I was so interested in what you said about the imposter syndrome label and taking control of it. You just said there that you learned to accept it. But I think if there's one thing I've really learned from doing this podcast is that all the women I've spoken to have found a way actually to harness it and to help use it to help them drive their success, I suppose. Have you got beyond learning to just accept it? Have you found a way to help use it to motivate you?
3: You know, if we think about it, the imposter syndrome, as we were saying, is a collection of feelings that we have and it's been given a label. But actually, those feelings are amazing to spend some time thinking about because I believe that in the future any company you work for or build a brand, I'm obviously obsessed with starting businesses and small businesses and championing those who are dreaming about starting a small business. And what's the number one thing that blocks us from starting? The imposter syndrome, because we believe that we have to be experts and we believe we have to be the best before we put ourselves out vulnerably. And so for me, I would say, even understanding what the imposter syndrome is, being able to articulate it, being able to break it down, being able to talk about it, has given me a way of connecting with people. And I would say that that's my next era, is really trying to free people from everything that holds them back. And so potentially, in a roundabout way, the imposter syndrome gave me new life, because I wasn't you know, I wasn't going to live the way I was living. At Not in the High Street, I found myself becoming not Holly. I was wearing double spanks, high heels. I was maybe not even speaking the way that those who love me would recognize. And actually, that wasn't my happiest space. Now I live with the imposter syndrome, but in a positive way it makes me potentially a better person you know i like to know what i'm doing i i do always think i'm going to be found out someone's i am going to be found out um but actually that fuels my smile because i'm all right if you find me out you know i'm i'm, I'm happy with who i am and so i think that actually it's helped me understand that people need to do what they love and love what they do because when you're in that space which is what I am in my life right now, the imposter syndrome starts to quieten down. I mean,
2: I'm not surprised to hear that you weren't at your happiest when you were wearing double spanks.
3: I mean, and also I'm a very hot person. So that was just hot. You know, it was just an uncomfortable, generally inside and on the outside uh, position
2: to be in. I'm really glad to hear you've moved on from that. But where, so when was the last time you felt the symptoms of imposter syndrome? I thought you were
3: going to say, wear spanks. I was like, oh, don't. Feel
2: free to tell us that as well.
3: <laughs> the last time, well, A, right now, you know, what's going through my head right this second is, did I even make sense just then? I've just been on a wonderful panel supporting, I'm a patron for Women Supporting Women, Princess Trust, and I was worried, you know, I was with some really serious women. And I was thinking, What am I going to say that is of any interest to anybody? I've just recently written a book, Do What You Love, Love What You Do. I 100% knew that I would be found out at that point in time because, you know, yes, I speak about business every day. And yes, I have built a business. But actually, this is the point when a little bit uh, cocksure and I'm going to write a book and it was a Sunday Times bestseller. I think that it really does follow you around. But I don't mind it so much now because I've slightly become friends with it.
2: That's so interesting what you just said about the panel you did this morning because regular listeners of this podcast might know that my own imposter syndrome epiphany happened on a panel which was about imposter syndrome <laughs> and I I thought I was just there as women's editor to sort of give give that woman's eye view on it and talk about all the things I'd, I'd heard from our readers but in fact was just hit by a wall of crushing imposter syndrome myself sat on the stage so I completely identify with that yes um, you spoke the way you spoke about it then actually was almost you almost personified it um, and I interviewed June Sarpong earlier mm. in the series. And she gives her imposter syndrome a name, Agnes. Yeah. And she actually has conversations with Agnes yeah. to tell her to do one, essentially. yeah. Uh, do you have those kind of tips and tricks where you, if you're feeling it, you talk to it or you look in the mirror? Or what do you actually do? Well, I actually
3: humanize everything. I'm, a, um, I'm dyslexic. And the way that my brain works is... I will describe everything and and, and and sort of take people on a journey of my thoughts. And that helps me as an entrepreneur. Sometimes one of the hardest things of an entrepreneur is getting it out of your head. I sometimes sit people down and say, get the... In- it's not quite a nice notion, but it's not a nice analogy, but get the injection and take out what's in my brain because I cannot articulate it, but it is there. And I think that actually by speaking about it, um, I, I always ask myself, so the imposter syndrome is there because of what? It's it's there to stop us being stupid. It's there to protect us, I suppose. You know, it's the imposter syndrome is to stop you being found out. Um, and so in a way, you know, is it all that, you know, that friend? Is it a terrible friend? I, I don't know. Is it just trying to help you and protect you? So, Maybe you're just kind to that voice and actually allow it to be with you. But it depends whether you're going to listen to it or not. So I don't necessarily, I I, I actually don't have necessarily um, a negative, a violent feeling against it or rage against the imposter syndrome. I just feel like it's someone there, just making sure you're going to be at its best because it potentially knows you're awesome. And so... By not having this sort of, such a negative feeling, actually I can get myself into a positive space
2: in a quicker way or quicker fashion. I often wonder if it's there to stop us just having absolutely giant egos.
3: Yeah, and wouldn't that be terrible, you know? (laughs) Yeah, because actually, yeah, absolutely. I I think, you know, some of the beautiful qualities about being humble and caring about others and um, maybe listening and not speaking and and all those sorts of things are are ones that I I really relish. And so, um, yeah, but the imposter syndrome doesn't work when you don't have that relationship with it. If it is actually stopping you living your dreams. And that is when I'm highly passionate about it because, you know, we're here for such a short period of time and I always talk about my epiphany when I was 40. Um, I worked out that I had 29,000 days on this planet.
2: Sorry, you did what? You worked
3: out well, how many I'm, days you've got left. Well, uh, entrepreneurs are quite... We, we can be obsessed with efficiency because I have to squeeze the last dropout of a day or a task or a project and always want things to be better. So for me, it's like the way I control that is by making sure I maximise the day and opportunity. And by doing that, I needed to work out How long have I got to live so that I can sort of work backwards and go, well, then this project can take this time. I know it's... Are you But
2: are you actually ticking off the days?
3: Not the days, but it got worse, by the way, because I only, I worked out, well, I had 29,000 days on the planet. There's only 14,000 days left when I was 40. I'm 44 now. I need to update that stat. But, (laughs) you know, the imposter syndrome is negative when it stops you living every single day like it is your last. And I know that that is a great Pinterest quote, but it is absolutely true. And that we shouldn't waste a second being unhappy. We shouldn't waste a second not building our dreams. And and so that is when the imposter syndrome does need to be dealt with if it is actually stopping you
2: going for it. I feel like that's part of the entrepreneurial mindset for sure, as you say. But I also wonder if that's a reflection on your own experiences in your life, actually, because You know, by, well, we said by 18, you were working in advertising. By 20, I think you were the youngest account executive in London. Mm -hmm. By 22, you were married. But then by 25, you were going through a divorce. You were recovering from a brain Mm tumour. You'd quit your job. And that's more trauma than a lot of people experience in a lifetime. Has that sort of sense of wanting to manage your time and make the most of every single day partly come out of that as well?
3: I, I think it has. I mean, my nickname when I was younger was Holly Hurricane. And I have been in a hurry. And um, I have, I've always had a zest for life. And I love people. I truly care about people. Obviously, when you were younger, and being brought up as a woman in her in young career, you were highly emotional, all these things that I was told that I was. Um, but I, now understand that emotion and now what I call emotional commerce, the businesses that I build. I once remember someone coming into my company and worked for me um, for too long um, before he didn't. And he basically said, you know, the problem with this business is it's just highly emotional, run by highly emotional people. Ouch. And at the time, my imposter syndrome, well, of course, he, he's right. I, of course, if I'm going to be a bit, this is going to be a big business and I'm not a trained CEO and I'm this, I, he knows. Oh my God! it is just a little emotional holly running a company. That's what the brain said. And now I want to turn around and talk about the fact that emotional businesses are one of the most, um, you know, smartest companies that you can build. If you can emotionally connect with your customer or those that are following you or your community, This is smart business and far, far too few brands do it. You know, when I asked the question today in a panel, can anyone tell me the businesses that they connect with emotionally? Anyone? There wasn't a single person that could tell me as a woman what brands that we connect with emotionally. And so, you see, there's when the imposter syndrome was incorrect. And that's where I think potentially as you become older, if you do Um, make a beeline to your happiness, if you make a beeline to living your best life, your best version, I think that the
2: imposter syndrome starts to quieten down. Mm. That's so interesting what you say about the emotional aspect of it. Well, I think I feel like those soft skills, as they're so often called, are slowly coming to the surface and being recognised as things that are positive in business. And yet, Female entrepreneurs, and you wrote this in your Instagram post, are still more likely to think they don't possess the skills to start or to scale their own business. Why is that?
3: Yes, yeah, it's, it's um, the Alison Rose report cited that that was the number one reason that women not only didn't start but didn't scale their businesses women feel that they need to be an expert in order to then be given permission to start something whereas men will just fake it will actually firstly deem that they are the expert even if they're not (laughs) and just do it anyway and I think that that is um, a crying shame because if women started businesses as the rate I take this from the Alison Rose report um, the NatWest report if women started businesses as as the same rate as men 250 billion would be pumped into the economy within five years and it's one of my plights you know I've already confessed that I will retire at 90 I'm 44.
2: It means I've got many years ahead of me. Well, many days and you know exactly I, how I many. D- yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> I have I have restrained myself. I found this chart that you can buy and you can actually colour in the weeks. Now, that was a step too far no, no. for me because I was just like, this would give me, you know, even myself heart palpitations, you know. Um, but it is going to be, I, I actually believe we're in the age of the female entrepreneur. I think that all of these things qualities that I've just been speaking about, about empathy, knowing your customer, um, about care, um, listening, community. These are all amazing skills that women possess. And so I actually believe we are going to see some of the most incredible businesses started up. That's
2: exciting. Just for our listeners to fill them in if they don't know or haven't heard me bang on about this before. The uh, the Rose review, which Holly just mentioned, was a government review uh, which was prompted by our own Telegraph Women Mean Business campaign, which we launched in 2018 to help close the funding gap for female founders who still only get around 1% of all the money invested into new UK startups annually, which is hugely depressing. But we're doing what we can to close it.
3: And if you think about that, 1% today, And yet Sophie and I started raising money back in 2006. So I can only imagine what the statistic was when we used to go around to raise money with our bags full of craft and handmade products. And we used to have people say, you know, craft, why would you put that online? Surely you need to run a fair or something like that. And we said, no, no, we're going to change the face of retailing as you know it. Well, I wouldn't know anything about that because my wife
2: does all the shopping. Wow. You know? that? Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of pulling a shocked phase, but at the same time, out of the campaign, I've heard so many female founders say, oh, I went into an investment meeting and they asked me to make the tea or they asked me when the entrepreneur was arriving or they told me at the end of the meeting that I needed a man to help me run Mm -hmm. my business was one thing that came out of a survey we did right at the beginning of the campaign. How did you carry on saying yes when everybody else was saying no?
3: Well, I think, you know, one of the things I've realised in the pandemic is that you were tested. True entrepreneurship was tested because um, actually entrepreneurs could handle the pandemic because that's all they do every day. They survive. Um, whatever gets put in front of you, you survive and it is about that makeup of your being that allows you to never give up on your idea. I Another phrase I used to, again, making everything human, I used to, I, I do, I used to, then I was stopped by someone telling me how wrong it was that I referred to my businesses as my business children. And actually, for me, it was a very important thing. You know, I had had my son, Harry, um, he was three months old when I started Not in The High Street. Now, as a 28 year old woman, as a very young mum, and starting Not in in the high street it was a tall order and then I had not in the high street my first business baby and Holly and Co my second business baby and actually when you refer to things in this way I think anyone that has their own company it's an incredibly personal thing and it was made to feel like that was a bad thing. Well, actually, a bit Erin Brockovichy, you know, the film, you know, when she's like, the guys ask her to recount the numbers and the person says, There's no way you can recount all the telephone numbers. And she says, Test me. I think that there is this female lion that comes out and protects her company. And so that is why businesses run by women survive, because they can actually lift a car. Off the car that's crushing their kid, they can do something that's very, very maternal. And I think that that's actually a superpower.
2: Was it a man who told you to stop referring to your business as it a child? It was indeed. Yeah. Mm, I'm was. so surprised to hear it.
3: Absolutely. It was something that people would not want to hear because it suddenly made the entire business far too personal. And I said, but I miss my son's first steps, first words. I've worked every single weekend, you know, since time began. This is very, very
2: personal. I mean, you you said just then that your son was three months old when you launched and you were married
3: no, I wasn't married. I, he was three months old, and I wasn't married. But I, I'd, I, I got married when I was uh, twenty-one years old, and I got divorced. Um, and then I found my partner Frank, um, who is the father of, of Harry. And after eighteen years, we actually got married in lockdown. Oh, congratulations! Yes. Yeah, it took a, it took a while, but then there was a <laughs> few business
2: babies to bring up in the in the meantime. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you had your first big business baby and Harry, your actual baby, yes. at the same time you were 28 I mean am I right in thinking that your husband I can say husband now you can now yes You're, I used to pretend he was my husband because <laughs> it was just a bit weird we hadn't got married but now he actually is yes he, am I right in thinking he took early retirement yes he did how did that dynamic work did it take a while for that to Bed in.
3: I don't know if it still has bedded in yet. Um, No, I'm just joking in case he's listening. But (laughs) um, you know the yes, it did. He was um, a he had an important job um, at Scotland Yard. It was quite um, fraught because it was dealing with terrorism. And he he's my senior by 17 years, and um, it was a sort of moment where we had to work out how were we going to deal with childcare. And I had amazing nannies when Harry was younger. But dealing with terrorism, dealing with a startup and dealing with a one-year-old, it just was not going to end in marriage, potentially. (laughs) So um, we just made that decision. And it was the best decision for us. It was fantastic for Harry to be brought up by his care. His main caregiver was Frank. But, you know, how men and women divide... Life when maybe the woman is going out to work, is the main breadwinner, um, has the meetings, is late, ha- uh, all those sorts of things. It takes time to settle. It takes time to settle. And I think it's potentially something that's not spoken about very often and again I think more conversation needs to happen now after so long um, it is very very natural Um, you know Frank's retired it's a very natural scenario in our household but I know it's not for everyone and I've also heard a lot of people you know when those shifts start to happen behind closed doors and we don't talk about it it can really lead
2: to Mm. And I expect a lot of external pressure or judgment as well, perhaps.
3: On both parties, you know, Frank would feel like the only man in the playground. So he didn't have anyone necessarily speak to him. And he felt like a real outsider. I felt Talk about imposter syndrome. I had imposter syndrome not only at work, but when I went to pick up Harry because I was the working woman. You know, I used to have to pretend to be on a phone call, which probably wouldn't have helped anyone saying hello to me. But I felt so incredibly vulnerable because I wasn't a proper mum either because I wasn't at sports day and, you know, I wasn't doing the pickup and I didn't know when the bake sale was. So I wasn't really a proper mum either. And also remember, it was 16 years ago. So this is actually not today. Things have moved on, thank goodness, a bit today, I would say. But then he really was the only dad in the playground.
2: I really want to think things have moved on but I can't help thinking about the sitcom Motherland which I don't know whether you've watched it. I haven't seen this. It's that exact scenario. There's one dad at the school gate and Julia, the main character, is the mum who has an important job and suddenly finds that she's got a bit more flexibility and starts turning up at the school gates and all the other mums are like, oh, Julia, how lovely to see you. Didn't think that you were going to come to sports day. You know, she's just not been involved at all yeah. because of her job. And it's that exact scenario and that's a current sitcom. So it makes me wonder whether things have moved right. on that much. Yeah.
3: It's, it's uh, for anyone who's listening and you might know a woman that's turning up in the school playground. Um, please go and say hello to her because she is feeling so, so... So, um, yeah, alone at this point in time. Or a man. Or a man. Absolutely. (laughs) Invite them for coffee. I'd love it. Absolutely. Good. Good advice.
2: Uh, Let's go back a little bit to what we were talking about before when you founded Not on the High Street and we were just chatting about investment. And you were talking about it being perceived as a craft business. And I think Mm -hmm. I read that you, you spoke about, you know, it was two blondes going into an investment room asking for funding for what? Everyone around the table, probably the majority men, thought was a craft business. How did you actually get funding in the end? How did you start it practically?
3: So I remember being on a train. Uh, it starts as a morbid story, but it actually ends well. Um, on the train with my father, who was the CFO at the time. There was only a few of us at not in the high street, and uh, we were. Off to a funeral and we were working out on a piece of paper how long we still had in terms of funding for not in the high street. And remember the funding actually was Sophie and I not taking a salary. We had raised a bit of money from my parents, her parents, a small bank loan, and now we were paying those who did work for us on our checkbook from our credit card. And so we had months to go. Now, we knocked on so many doors. We were we were good at presenting. We had amazing products by small businesses. But even the word entrepreneur, even the word marketplace, I mean, think Amazon was still selling books. eBay, you had to check out by each individual seller and Etsy didn't exist. So we were really at the forefront. And, um, You know, we basically were turned away by everybody and it was only through and this is again where I would say, you know, you've got to keep going and that the universe does work and you've got to tell everybody you meet, even the person who's checking your groceries out, maybe at the end of the day, what you're doing, because they just might happen to know someone who knows someone. We knew someone who was in church in the south of France and she turned to the pew behind her and just told them that she was working with a lovely company called Not in the High Street. And they didn't happen to know of any investor. And funny enough, that person did. And so that Sunday, she called us and said, I think I might have found a contact. And we contacted this gentleman, his name's Tom Teichman, and he had written the first check for lastminute.com. And basically, we had three meetings. And just before Christmas, we went and did our last pitch. Um, I always remember he asked us to finish and I thought, oh my goodness we've not got it my father put his hand on Sophie my shoulder and said how proud he was of both of us because basically we were not in the high street wasn't going to exist and uh, we went to the lift and he was just holding our arms because of course we were about to burst into tears because everything we had just sacrificed and he said come back in the room and he said actually we're going to invest you've got it You are going to connect with women through retail like no one else has. And I believe in you. And on February the 14th, 2007, we got our first round of investment. And that person still remains a dear friend of mine today and is able to see the power of the way women spend. Because let's face it, we are the CEOs of the household fund. We spend the majority of all disposable income and yet very few Uh, women are running businesses that are connecting to that incredibly powerful woman at home.
2: I think that's an incredibly important story because so many women use their own savings and their credit cards to start their businesses. And not that there's anything appallingly wrong with that, but it really shouldn't have to be that way. We should be able to walk into an investment meeting and be taken seriously and be listened to and not get 1% of the UK's annual funding. So that sort of message to keep plugging away, however disheartening it might seem at first, I think is so vital. I heard you say actually once that you became scared of the spreadsheet, which is something I've heard so many entrepreneurs say. And I, I mean, not just entrepreneurs, I feel it myself. You know, I always say, oh, I'm not a numbers person. But actually, it's partly fear. It's partly imposter syndrome. How did you get past that fear of the spreadsheet and what what happened for you in that way well
3: what happened to me and what I do today are two different things but maybe connected one I was lucky enough to have my father as the CFO so I learned from a young uh, age of being a CEO of a business that I could go to him and ask the stupid questions or what I deem to be stupid questions the fact is why did I expect myself to know how to build a profit and loss spreadsheet how did i think i knew that but this is exactly what the imposter syndrome does it makes you feel like you are a failure unless you basically went to harvard or you were part of the elite or you didn't swallow the business dictionary at <laughs> birth whatever it was that i don't know why i thought i was meant to know that and i didn't look at all the qualities I did know, as in I could tell you exactly what we'll be trading next Christmas or what the next new thing was or how to build a community of people that never been built before. All I just focused on was what I didn't know. And again, that's what the imposter syndrome does. And so what I want to then open up with is, it's absolutely fine. You do not know how to master the spreadsheet. Okay, so what you can do is you can hire an accountant like my father was at the time And ask all the silly questions. No one even has to know you did that. What if you actually brought as your business partner the other side of the coin to you? What if they're going to be more left side of the brain and you're more right side of the brain? All of these things. But this, again, is the imposter syndrome stopping us because we feel, potentially as women, we have to be it all. It all has to live and reside within our being and actually I think that that is what we've got to learn. We are incredible communicators, incredible networkers. And if we're just okay with some of the things that we're not brilliant at and we more refer to it as I'm not very good at numbers or what about I'm just on a bit of a journey, I'm super excited. I am mastering numbers. It's always been something I've been scared of, but I've decided I'm not going to live in fear anymore. And I, I was speaking to someone the other day I'd never written an Instagram post ever. And actually, I'm dyslexic. Um, Throughout my career, a lot of people wouldn't let me send out emails without checking them. It made me absolutely fearful. And so what I did is I was told that I do have a voice, but I needed to share it. But I didn't have the confidence. So I went to WH Smith and I bought all of the grammar books and everything, I think for 10-year-olds, And then 12 year olds. And what I did is I every night I would do a piece of work and I would ask my son to correct me. And there was this thing that I was inadvertently showing him that at 40, I was able to say, "Okay, this is not something I am great at and I'm petrified of being found out, but I am not going to let it win. So I did all my worksheets. I even got his English teacher after one of his parents' evenings. I mean, he was quite embarrassed. (laughs) I got out my worksheets for her to look at. And she just said, you know what, Holly, you're doing well. It's great. You don't need to be worried. There's a few things, but God, everyone else has a few things. And so that is how I would love us all to be, is to try and just go there and have a different relationship with what we can't do. And more talk about what we're going to learn. Um, and 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 it's really worked for me. And I and I hope if someone's listening who's feeling like they can't do something, to potentially just rewire it because again that helps the imposter syndrome's
2: voice. You know the volume is turned down slightly. I think that's wonderful advice. Um, and your Instagram posts, well, and your books. I mean, you've really overcome that.
3: Well. You say that. (laughs) I wouldn't. But yes, I I enjoy writing. I am a, well, maybe I've never said it, I'm a writer. You know, that for me is something I've never even said out loud.
2: Say it again. I want to hear it. Yes. You are a writer. I am a
3: writer and I'm an author and I write. And it's potentially one of the happiest places I've found myself is writing. And who would have thought? And so that is something that I have battled um, and it was the imposter syndrome stopping me and it's now
2: given me a lease of life that I just I couldn't have even dreamt of I'm still not convinced I'm going to ever be a numbers person but (laughs) I won't say that again actually I won't
3: don't say it don't say I mean you know think about how awesome you are and I say about this Well, of course, you're a numbers person. It's just not what you gravitate naturally towards. But absolutely, if I was going to put a carrot at the end of a stick and say, but this is what you would get if you were, or if you were under threat, you would be a numbers person. It's just, it's okay that that's not your natural
2: place, but you absolutely could if you wanted to. I'll tell you what numbers I'm not into, and that's how many days I've got left on the planet. (laughs) Oh, you wait though. Someone once
3: said, "Once you know something, you can't unknow it." So unfortunately, mm, you now do know this, which means that every day you wake up, you know it's 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 how it's how to live in gratitude. And I suppose that is it's it's a, it's a that's another beautiful gift I've been given is that I live in gratitude. I live for this moment right now with you, um, and I live for what tomorrow is going to bring me.
2: I want to go back to something you said just before, actually, you used the word communities when you were talking about Holly & Co. And actually, that's very true of both of your businesses, that you've essentially created these sisterhoods, I suppose, for want Mm -hmm. of a better word, because not on the high street, the majority of the businesses were female-owned. 95%, yeah. Which is extraordinary. And I think you've called them a hidden female army before, actually. And sort of given what's happened during the pandemic and all the advice you've been giving to female entrepreneurs... What do you think the challenges facing that female army are right now?
3: The main one, and not because this is the name of this podcast, but the main one is our belief in ourselves. You know, if you think about that stat that we said from the Rose Review, you know, 250 billion pounds would be pumped in. I think it's within four or five years. You know, it is incredible who women are, what women are. And I think, you know, our climate crisis will be probably solved by women. I think that the independent high street might be solved by women. I think bringing entrepreneurism into the education system, I think, might be solved by women. Um, I think we will change the way that we view work. And I think this is all happening. This is a very, very exciting era to live in. And I think it is the age of the female entrepreneur. So, yeah, I think that there are things that we need to overcome. But I am feeling the rumblings and why Holly & Co was created. It was creating a home for those who wanted to build a life doing what they love. And actually, we've only just started because the landscape I had, had nothing in it. So I had to, a bit like the trestle table at my fairs, and then that became not on the high street. I'm slightly building my town, my life and, and the landscape small businesses exist in for us then to connect together because now we have a space to connect together. And what I always say on my Instagram is what are we going to achieve? It is phenomenal what we will achieve, but we have to be together. And so I think that actually what could hold us back is not only the imposter syndrome, but thinking that we have to be 100 percent enough just by ourselves. And I think that potentially where we become the most glorious versions of ourselves is when we find our flock.
2: I read a great anecdote about a woman who approached you on the beach, recognized you, and introduced herself. And two hours later, you were sat together at a beach bar, and you'd fleshed out her entire business plan. This
3: was the <laughs> deepest, deepest area of Africa. It was literally—I think it was her, me, and a lot of turtles. And uh, but you—you know—it was—it it was. Yeah, I did, and I, and that happens everywhere. I mean, all day long, every day of my entire life. I will have people, and I'm very, very lucky, come to me maybe for advice or, you know, through my Instagram, through DMs, through email, everywhere. Um, And if I could literally physically help every single
2: person, I I feel like we should park this podcast right now and just start. (laughs) Let's start with my business plan. Let's go.
3: (laughs) Well, you actually don't need a business plan. That's the the (laughs) other thing to say. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, you actually need a plan and you need a North Star. And then you need to get going. And I think that's much more of an issue than the business plan is actually pressing the green light.
2: Do you ever feel like it could just all end tomorrow or be taken away from you?
3: I did for a very, very long period of time. I think imposter syndrome makes you feel that. So I think if there's even more of a shadow side of imposter syndrome, I think that many people with imposter syndrome might have hypochondria, might think that they're going to die young. I certainly lived like that because I think you're always looking at the negatives and then suddenly. It gets you into a space of anxiety. And so then what if I go and all these sorts of things? I think that the way that it's now I live with imposter syndrome, as I said, I'm far gentler about it and I actually look at what it's trying to protect me from and then I go for it anyway, is actually I live in gratitude. And so if you live in gratitude every single minute of the day, it's okay if it gets taken away from you because the last moment you had... You were the happiest and fullest version of yourself. And so that
2: is how I'm OK if things go tomorrow. I feel like you slightly have future imposter syndrome in that you're sort of thinking ahead to what's next and then overcoming any self-doubt or worries about it in advance before you get there? Well, I do
3: want, yes, because I'm always in the future. So right now I'm really planning, I don't know, I'm in the year, I don't know what year it is, it's 2025 I'm in. So right now in my brain, I'm planning what Holly & Co will be in 2025, along with what we've got to do today, this afternoon. Um, But I'm always in the future, just like the 29,000 days, and Mm. then you work backwards. And that's just always how my brain's been. I've been able to visualise the future in order to work out what the to-do
2: list is tomorrow. Are you the same way with your personal life? Is that in 2025 as well?
3: Uh, Not so much, but I've done all my Christmas shopping. That may
2: be the most shocking thing you've told me in the last hour. (laughs) (laughs) It's the shocking thing I've ever said.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry for every woman who hasn't. But apparently, apparently, I was reading an um, Instagram poll, 80% of people started thinking about Christmas because, of course, we're all so desperate this year, aren't we? Yes. To have the best festive season. So it's all going to, you know, go to pot next year. Don't worry about it. But I, I just wanted to say
2: it somewhere once. I don't blame you. Own that moment. <laughs> it's on record. So you were... As I said in my intro, you were awarded an MBE in 2013 and in 2015 you became a UK ambassador to creative small businesses. Do you ever stop to draw breath and just think, you know what, I've done all right here? I I think that many people will
3: recognise what I'm going to say is uh, 100% no. Um, (laughs) When do women give ourselves gold stars? Uh, Many mornings I'll say to my team who have come in and dropped two children off and managed to get themselves into a meeting by eight o'clock looking fantastic. and I'm like, gold star because you know we get no gold stars for anything and certainly as an entrepreneur um, all you do is edit so you only you don't look at what you've actually achieved you edit what you've created and um, and say how you would do it better the next time but I am actually very much trying to talk to my followers and community about the milestone moments. Because I suppose when I received my MBE, I will always remember it was this moment you were queuing up around the corner and there was the Queen and I didn't really understand what was going on, but there was this like band in the balcony and Harry was little and Frank was there and my sister. And I was about to walk in and there's this amazing picture of the Queen painted when she was young. And the second I thought oh my gosh, I must have done something all right to be here. And I think then I never, ever smelt the roses again for another sort of eight years. Uh, You know, it is a very important thing. If you live in gratitude, you've got to celebrate the journey that you're on. Because by very nature, there might not be a destination that you're heading towards. And so every day is slightly a bit of a celebration that you've achieved. I don't know, the school run that morning without the tears or you've been able to build a business that's turned one years old or you've employed your first person. And so as much as I am a true entrepreneur in secret, you know, I'm just At heart, I'm still a true entrepreneur, which is um, just editing and trying to be better. What I am trying to champion, though, is milestone moments.
2: I can't think of a more positive message to end things on and to take into our days and our weeks and our months and Christmas when we're doing our shopping going forward than that milestone moments. Thank you so much to this week's imposter, Holly Tucker. And my fellow imposters, if you've enjoyed listening and you'd like to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, well, who am I to stop you? The Telegraph's Women Mean Business campaign is all about lifting female founders and making work really work for all women. If you're listening before Wednesday, October the 20th, 2021, lucky you. There's still time to buy a ticket to our virtual Women Mean Business Live Summit with speakers including Anya Hindmarch, Julia Gillard and Kate Bingham. Head to telegraph.co.uk forward slash to get yours.
1: Matt West is supporting the Telegraph's Women Mean Business campaign. Together, we're working to find out what obstacles female entrepreneurs face and then we're helping to overcome them. If Britain's going to build back stronger after the pandemic, we desperately need the untapped potential that businesses led by women can give us. And that's why NatWest has come up with the whole range of support for women in business. If you want to find out more, just search NatWest
0: Women in Business.